The content in this show is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Welcome back to Mother's Milk. We're so glad you joined us again. If you haven't already, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. In this week's episode, we will be discussing the truth about pregnancy. I'm Artika. And I'm Crystal. Welcome to Mother's Milk, the show. We're cousins and new moms who both breastfed our babies. And if you're like us, you still have a few bags of liquid gold in the freezer. We started this podcast as an outlet for mothers to help them navigate breastfeeding, but also the roller coaster ride motherhood can be. We'll talk about everything from breastfeeding, do's and don'ts, to all things motherhood. So tune in to hear our experience from the perspective of two new moms trying to navigate motherhood together. Hey ladies, have you ever been in a bind and needed to quickly pull together a look for an unexpected video meeting? During this pandemic, I can't tell you how many times I needed to quickly come out of my bonnet and hop on a video call. And that's where Karen Marie Hair comes in. Karen Marie offers hair enhancement products, including clip-ins, U-part wigs, and headband wigs in a variety of textures like Body Wave, Kinky Straight, and other great textures. The durable clip-ins, headbands, and U-part wigs are made of 100% human hair that can be easily straightened and colored. It's a great way to change up your look or quickly look pulled together for your next meeting. And exclusively for our subscribers, Karen Marie Hair is offering a 10% discount on all orders. Shop now at KarenMarieHair.com and enter offer code MOTHERSMILK. That's all one word. Be sure to check out at Karen Marie Hair on Instagram for new product releases, styling tips, and more. I'll start by saying I feel like I should have titled this episode The unfair truths about pregnancy there are a lot of unfair truths (laughs) but the media typically depicts pregnancy in two ways either it's this super magical experience with a mom that has a radiant glow or they discuss the parts of pregnancy that all moms would rather forget gaining weight lack of sleep throwing up so we're going to touch on some of the parts of pregnancy that we felt like were not highlighted enough when we were pregnant so one of those things and it's funny because crystal and i had this conversation right before we got ready to record today was that peeing and throwing up will happen simultaneously it's so rough (laughs) i i think back and that was so traumatic for me being pregnant and you know i was sick my entire pregnancy pretty much starting at week nine through week 38, mm-hmm. I was throwing up and I didn't necessarily have morning sickness. I had more so of a night sickness, which, you know, that worked out well because I worked during the day. But that peeing and throwing up at the same time, <laughs> I was not prepared for that. And it is a lot, especially if you're, you know, someone who was not expecting to do it throughout your entire pregnancy. I mean, it was a bit rough. So I had to prepare a lot. Um, before going out and just understanding what could happen (laughs) if I were to get sick because there was no rhyme and rhyme or reason around 
you know, why I would get sick at whatever time. So it was just a very hard thing to handle. And it was kind of depressing at times. It kind of got me down. I didn't want to go anywhere um, because I was just sick and I didn't want to be embarrassed. And, you know, I had to end up wearing some additional garments to kind of help protect myself in that situation. So it was just a lot to manage um, throughout my pregnancy. I remember one time I probably was like mid to late 30 weeks of pregnancy. Mm. It was probably like maybe two to three weeks before I gave birth and I delivered at um, almost 38 weeks. Like I was 37 weeks and six days. And I remember getting up and going to the bathroom and throwing up and simultaneously I start peeing on myself and Tommy is watching me through the bathroom door and he starts laughing hysterically. I was so upset with him. He's frowning up at me right now because y'all know he <laughs> helps produce this. But um, I remember going to the bathroom like it was just like it got triggered. Like I got I was a person who was sick at the very beginning of pregnancy and we figured out a medication regimen to make me not sick as much. Like I still would have random bouts of nausea, but I wasn't a person who was sick all the time. And I remember getting up because I got really, really hot, got overheated, ran to the bathroom, throw up, start peeing. I start crying. And I'm just like, why is this happening to me? I hate being pregnant. So that's just to say, like, I've talked to most of my friends and the majority of us who have had to vomit during pregnancy. It happened. Yeah, it happens. And no one really talks about it because it's kind of embarrassing, right? Yeah. So it's like, you know, it's just something that you don't expect. And you hope for it to happen at home so you can take a shower. But guess what? Doesn't always happen. At Doesn't home. happen that way. And you're already <laughs> dealing with a weak bladder being pregnant. So it's just the combination of being sick and your <clears throat> bladder is weak and it's uncontrollable, unfortunately. Um, and I remember asking my OB, like, is there something that I can take to stop this? <laughs> I mean, I'm worried about the vomiting. Like she gave me the medicine for the vomiting, which helped a little bit. But I was wanting something to help with the other part as well. Of, exactly. You know, peeing on yourself. So I know that <laughs> other moms have experienced that. But, they, you know, it's just something that we don't talk about, like I said, because it is, you know, kind of embarrassing. I mean, Tommy laughed at you. so <laughs> Right. And he doesn't remember this, he but obviously remember. it's etched in my brain. Yeah. Um. So the next thing that I wanted to bring up was your water breaking doesn't happen like it's in the movies. Like I remember watching all of these like TV shows and women would just be standing there and they're like, oh, my God, my water broke. Let's rush to the hospital. Like. I remember a friend of mine whose water broke and the doctor was like, do you have, are you having contractions? She's like, no. She was like, all right, call us back when you start having contractions. Oh, wow. And like, <laughs> you're not like, ready. You're not ready. What? <laughs> so like for me, and I was actually there when Crystal's water broke, which was also not like the movies. <laughs> not at all. But um, I remember when my water broke, I actually was getting up I had called my midwife and told her hey my contractions are happening five minutes apart she's like did your water break and I'm like nope and she's like all right you're probably not in labor but you can come on in we'll check you at the hospital and then I stood up to put my pants on to go get in the car because Tommy had already gone out and loaded up the car with um our bags and everything and then gush 
my water broke. And then it's like, I got so mad because I'm like, I just put on these pants. <laughs> and so now I have to put on another pair of pants. But what I didn't know is that after my water broke and the water's gushing from the initial water break and I thought it had stopped, I changed pants. It just kept coming. Oh, So I never not had wet pants going to the hospital. Like I showed up at the hospital with a towel wrapped around my waist oh my. because I'm like, it's still running. Right, right. <laughs> so it was like, it was a faucet and it wasn't like a hard, fast leak, but it was just like a random, just, it was an initial gush. And then everything else was just kind of like trickle, trickle, trickle. Man, I never experienced that. I um, had to get my water broken in the hospital. It mm -hmm. was very bizarre. I mean, I went into labor and, you know, was having all the contractions less than five minutes apart. And, you know, when I got to the hospital, I was thinking, OK, surely my water is going to break on its own. <laughs> surely after all these hard contractions, that did not happen. I remember the doctor walking in and they're like, we're going to break her water now. And I'm like her water hasn't broke because in my mind having not had a kid yet I'm like she's in the hospital y'all have admitted her right we're having a baby today because that's, that's right. literally the the text message that your husband sent me uh -huh. was that we're having a baby and I was like I have to go to the hospital right. we're having a baby and it's just like you show up we're sitting there we're waiting we're waiting she's like your water still hasn't broken I'm like how Right. How has it's, her water not broke? It was crazy. Like hours had gone by, I think. Because I was at the hospital about six hours. Wow. Of the yeah. time that you were there. Yeah. I, it's all a blur to me when I look back at it. But I do remember being concerned about how it would hurt, how much it would hurt when they broke my water. But it didn't hurt. Shockingly, I don't remember any pain from it. But I just expected to be one of those women that would have their water just break naturally. But didn't it get a chance to experience that? I like thought you I was going to be like a walking around Target, pushing my basket down the baby aisle and gush. Oh, no. oh my God, my water broke. <laughs> Where's my husband? But it didn't happen that no, way. Not as dramatic, right? <laughs> <laughs> and that brings us back around to um, another points about pregnancy which is not everyone enjoys being pregnant I'm not gonna lie to y'all I hate when people say that they were so happy being pregnant <laughs> I'm like I would deliver 15 babies if I never had to be pregnant again yeah yeah it it's kind of tough I mean you know everyone's experience is different pregnancy is a blessing <laughs> within itself because you know there are a lot of us who are struggling to get pregnant and when you do become pregnant it's like oh yes I've made it but it is not always an enjoyable experience mm -hmm. you know I mentioned earlier I spent the majority of my pregnancy sick. I mean, I threw up the day that I went into labor. <laughs> it was so bizarre. And I just remember thinking, gosh, I did not spend much of this pregnancy when I was not sick. But, mm -hmm. you know, it will take a toll. Now, if I were to have another baby, I know what to expect now. It would come I would probably come into it with a different mindset. You probably wouldn't even have like any sickness on exactly. the next one just because that's you're mentally preparing yourself for it. Yeah, that's the thing. So, you know, coming mm -hmm. into it, not really knowing what to expect. It was just a shock that I was just sick. And I just recall one time, I think I was probably like maybe four or five months along and I had taken a sip of water. As soon as I took that sip of water, I threw up. And I remember crying in the kitchen and I told my husband, I'm like, I can't even drink water without throwing up. <laughs> you know what's funny is I actually, that's how you found out I was pregnant. 
because oh. I was drinking water and I couldn't keep it down and I called you crying. Oh. And no, yeah. I text you. I didn't yeah. call you. I text you and I was like, okay, FYI, I'm pregnant. Nobody <laughs> knows. By the way, I can't keep water down. What's the secret? Right. <laughs> and you I like told nothing. me things to act. Well, you gave me the medication that yeah. your doctor had prescribed you. Diclegis. And I was able to, um, which unfortunately my doctor would not write a prescription for it hmm. for whatever reason. But we came up with a resolve. We got something that worked out. B6 and, and Unison. That was what we did. <laughs> it was over the counter. I had to buy it monthly, but, you know, it worked out. But um, literally, like, I remember crying on multiple occasions because I just wanted to drink some water. It something was so simple, right? <laughs> like, I, I carried my daughter, like, through pretty much all the hot months. Yeah, that was She was rough, born I'm at the sure. ending of August. So I carry her an entire summer and it's just like, I can't even drink water. water. Something Man. so simple. And then people are like, oh, you should just eat some crackers. You'll be okay. And I'm like, I stuff a cracker down your throat. Right, because <laughs> it's not that simple. I mean, I tried everything and um, ginger didn't work. I know they always mm -hmm. say, oh, ginger, just, you know, take some ginger, the, eat um, some ginger. The bands, yes, the C bands. The C bands. That didn't work for me. Um, mm -hmm. They had candies. The too. pregnancy pops. Yep. Tried that. That didn't work. What else? I mean, it was just so... <laughs> I tried it all. This could literally be an episode <laughs> of things I tried that did not work while I was pregnant. Exactly. Because there was just a whole list. Like, I tried the ginger. I tried the ginger candies. I tried the pregnancy pops. I tried the C-bands. Um, I tried eating crackers. I tried not eating meals, but eating small snacks throughout the right. day. None of it worked. Yeah, it, it's just so bizarre because everyone's pregnancy is different. <laughs> you just don't know what will trigger you. Mm -hmm. And I do remember, you know, just certain smells even irritating me as well. Like my husband at the time was into <laughs> veganism. Like all of a sudden he went from being a meat eater to wanting to cook everything vegan. I'm like, this is bad timing. And all these different smells of the herbs that he was cooking <laughs> with just... Oh my gosh, it would have me sick, but it was just not a completely enjoyable experience. I mean, I really enjoyed watching the baby grow and mm -hmm. looking at the ultrasound pictures and kind of seeing his little face towards the end and kind of, you know, getting a sneak peek of how he would look. But, um, you know, it was a little tough for me at times because it it can get you quite down when you're always sick because mm -hmm. you're kind of feeling like, OK, I'm a prisoner <laughs> to my house. You know, I can't really go nowhere because here I am throwing up and peeing on myself, you mm -hmm. know, <laughs> and it's the pretty food sad. smells or anything in nature could just trigger it and make it anything. 10 times worse. Yeah. So that leads me to our next one. Um your hair, and we're going to do a full episode on this yeah, at some we'll point, do that. but your hair is never going to be the same. Never, ever. Um, I went through, I look back at pictures of my daughter's baby dedication and I literally had a bald spot in the top of my head. People were like, I didn't see it. I'm like, I did. <laughs> That's all that matters, right? <laughs> but like, it. I am a person who has always had so much hair. Like that's literally what everybody has always said about me, even growing up. Like you always had so much hair. You had a head full of hair as a baby. You got all this hair. It's thick hair. And I'm like, I'm bald in a spot in my head because I had a baby. And I always um, tell people that I had to lose my hair so that Lily may have hair. <laughs> and she's got a head full of hair. She and it's, it took me 
almost nine months postpartum for my hair to stop falling out. Not for it to grow back, just for it to stop falling out. Because I was just, I was losing gobs and gobs of hair, like on a weekly shampoo basis. Yeah. And I think sometimes breastfeeding can impact that too. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't start seeing my hair somewhat turn around to being slightly closer back to (laughs) pre-pregnancy until after I was finished breastfeeding. And it took a few months after that for it to even level off then, but it's still not what it was, Mm -mm. you know, and I think age plays into that too. But, you know, your hair just kind of takes a toll. I mean, if you look at my son. We're still 21 and 25. Right. What do you mean? I mean, yeah, we're we're in our 20s. We'll be fine. We'll be fine. Right. (laughs) At least that's what I want to tell myself. Exactly. And so this next one is, I guess I'm going to go in a little bit of a different order because these last three kind of all flow into each other. So one of the things that you, you talk about your, um, doctor or healthcare provider, if it's a midwife or whatever, is your birth plan, which is this long list of if everything goes perfect, this is what I would like to happen in the hospital. And they ask you about, do you want a medicated birth versus an unmedicated birth? If you have a boy, do you want him circumcised in the hospital? Mm Which one of these things my hospital didn't even give an option on, but like, do you want your baby to go to the nursery or stay in the room with you all night? And so We have to understand that your birth plan is not going to go like you want it to go. Yeah, things move really fast and furious once you go into labor. And, you know, it can be unexpected unless you have kind of a planned um, induction. But at the Mm -hmm. same time, things can, you know, go left. I mean, when I got to the hospital, they were talking a C-section at one point because my son had turned and his heart rate was dropping. I was like, oh, no. So, you know, I had to, you know, change some things up. And we're like, all these doctors in here, y'all can't figure this out. Somebody do something. I mean, it was a little crazy because I went in, you know, with the mindset, I am having this baby vaginally and that's it, you know, under any circumstances. And I think it's funny, though, because I mean, Crystal had a small crowd in the room before she delivered. Like we all left for her to deliver the baby. But there was a small crowd of us in the room right before she delivered. And I remember when she came in and said that you were about to have the C-section, all of us were like, "Uh uh-uh, so what what else we got to do? Like, can we do some exercises? Can we turn the baby? What we got to do? And it's so funny because your father-in-law was a person who was like really involved in this conversation. He was just like, no, we not doing it. Like, we don't have to do a C-section. He was like, go get the nurse. And I was like, what you <laughs> you know he's real hands-on so. he was very hands-on but I appreciated Me that too. because he was looking at it from a standpoint of this is not what she had planned and we're not in a worst case scenario so let's see what type of time that we right. have for this to turn around yeah that's right and so it was just it was really like I wouldn't call it fun in that moment, but looking back on it, it was like nice to see that there were so many people that were like essentially being patient advocates yeah, for you. Yeah, I appreciate it. Like that. who were like asking questions and, you know, suggesting things and like, hey, well, what about this? Right. And it's like, I didn't know anything about giving birth at that point. And I still feel like I don't know anything about giving birth because I had such a... um Fast. That's the word we'll use. Fast (laughs) labor. So like being able to see someone else and I've been present 
around several people giving birth, but it's interesting. Most of them did end up having C-sections. Oh. Um, one of my really good friends had a C-section with her twins and another friend. I just completely missed the birth because it happened so fast and she had a C-section. Like it was like we went from nothing to like oh my emergency C-section right now. So being able to see someone advocate for you in that moment, like lets you know that things don't always go as planned, but they can go according to some type of version of the plan. That's so, true. You that all, was good to see. Yeah. You always have to have a backup plan. I appreciate y'all being my doulas. <laughs> you know, I, that was very thoughtful because I was so out of it. I couldn't speak for myself at the time. <laughs> I was out of it. But I will say, you know, there were certain things that I wanted to happen. I wanted to have his cord um, delayed, mm. being cut. That was kind of important to me because there are some nutrients that are involved in that. If mm-hmm. you delay it according to some research I did. And then mm-hmm. also I was all about the ambiance. I kind of wanted to ensure music was being played <laughs> as I was giving birth because music just calms me. I listened to music all throughout my pregnancy. I had some little buds for my stomach mm-hmm. um, to let the baby listen to the music, um, you know, while I was still pregnant. And I was like, it would be cool if I could just play whatever music I had made a playlist on Spotify <laughs> for my labor. It's still there. I actually listen to it to this day. It's actually a really good playlist, but <laughs> I but did not go that things. far with anything <laughs> like, and I'm happy I didn't because I don't Man. think that Tommy would have been able to manage all of that. That would have been a Because lie. he was trying to like have a poker face of calmness for me. Yeah. But I think on the inside, he was just like, ah. right, right. <laughs> Screaming. Everything is happening so fast. Too fast. And so that leads me to epidurals. We have to understand. I know a lot of people are wanting to like have these natural, beautiful water births and all these things. And I'm going to give birth at home. And sometimes that happens and sometimes it doesn't. And we have to understand that epidurals are okay. Yeah. And you have to do what's best for you and your (laughs) medical history. If you have something that's impacting you that, you know, makes you feel uneasy about getting an epidural, that's fine too. Definitely (laughs) discuss it with your doctor. Um, But at the same time, I will, you know, speak for myself, my own personal experience. I did have an epidural. And I will say, you know, I'm not afraid of needles. Some people are, (laughs) but I was happy to see that needle. I mean, I was like so happy when I saw that anesthesiologist come to the room. I was like, I'm ready. Come on. (laughs) As soon as I got that epidural shot, man, it was like a weight lifted. I could laugh. I could actually have conversations Mm -hmm. with people. It was a breath of fresh air because I was in so much pain. Yeah, it was okay. When you having your epidural, I was like, is she all right? Like she's like really, really calm. Right. And I didn't think that pregnancy, like labor and delivery was this calm. But like once you got the epidural, you were like completely Man, like I was smooth. It's cool. Can I have some water? Right. <laughs> I wanted a full meal, but of course they wouldn't let you eat. But I was just yeah, it's I was really normalized calm. food in a delivery they room. Normalize that. Yeah. I know that there's a reason. That don't mean I have to like it. Exactly. And so that leads us to our final thing with our truth about pregnancy. I guess this should be just truths about pregnancy as well as labor and delivery. Labor does not always take as long as people think that it takes. I know you have the people that are like, I was in labor for 36 hours. And it's like, girl, no, no. (laughs) I know that for me, 
my mother did not make it to the gas station from her house before my daughter was born. Wow. Um, we called her just before we got ready to leave the house after my water broke and was like, hey, no, call her before my water broke and was like, hey, we're going to the hospital. They might send me back home, but we're going in because we think I'm in labor. She was like, okay, I'm on my way. She got my um, stepdad to put her um, luggage. She already had her bags packed. Oh, she was ready. <laughs> she got him to put her luggage in the car. And my mom lives about five and a half hours from us. And so she's like going, she has him ride up to the gas station with her because it's like 4 a.m. where she is. And she gets to the gas station. She calls Tommy back to say, I'm on the road. Tommy is like, oh, Lily's here. <laughs> And she was oh like, my. what? <laughs> like that fast? <laughs> and no. so like, I was a person who went into labor at like, I think I've had my first contraction at like 345 in the morning. And Lily was born just after 615. Wow. So I was like a fast labor. And then I see other people who were like, I was in active labor for two full days. And I'm like, how? That's a lot. Girl. But it happens. I mean, man, I, I think... I've never really counted the hours, but I believe for me, it was about 12 hours of active labor. So I remember going to bed. I was like trying to finish my thank you cards from my, <laughs> from my uh, baby shower. And I was like, okay, I feel a little weird, but whatever. I always feel weird. So mm -hmm. I went to sleep and then I woke up around like 3 a.m. that morning in pain. I was like, oh, that doesn't feel good. So I told Brian, I was like, look, I'm not feeling that great, but just letting you know, mm -hmm. but I'm trying to go back to sleep. We'll see. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I went back to sleep, woke back up in the worst pain. And it was like 5 a.m. at that point. And I didn't deliver my son until 936 p.m. that next day. So it was a long labor for me, but um, thank God for the medicine that was Amen. so helpful. Um, you know, while I didn't want to be drugged up. I don't deal with pain well. So I just, I know my body. So <laughs> I had to do what's best for me. And, you know, you have to do what's best for you. And yeah. you know your pain tolerance I didn't level. even get that option. Yeah, you I'm had no like option. like screaming in the hallway <laughs> at the hospital. Her head is crowning. And she, you know, made her way. Hey, that's a beautiful thing, though. You were able to do that. Look at you. <laughs> you should pat yourself on the back. I, I still don't know how it happened. Like, I think that's why I'm delusional and like, I'll give birth to another baby if I don't have to carry it. I don't know how that works, but obviously it doesn't. But, you know, that's my thought process. Right. Well, that kind of wraps up our truths about pregnancy. And uh, we'll go into our next segment. All right. So our next segment is called Follow Her, where we'll spotlight a mom or female entrepreneur who is doing great things both on and offline. This week, our Follow Her spotlight is Nitra B. Nitra is a content creator on Instagram and YouTube that covers topics from beauty and fashion, home decor, and motherhood. She's a mom and wife and currently is pregnant with her second child. You can follow her on Instagram at Nitra B, that's N-I-T-R-A-A-B, and at Nitra underscore house to home. And be sure to check her out on YouTube. 
So she's really cool. I like Nitra B because she's always giving these great tips around motherhood and, um, you know, how to decorate your home. And I'm just, always here for her house videos. Yeah, I mean, her house videos are awesome. And, you know, so happy to hear that mm-hmm. she's pregnant um, and having a son, I believe, later this year. So super cool. Kudos to her. Well, next up, we have Milkshake. Um, which is our listener letter segment. So please send your listener letters to milkshake at mothersmilktheshow.com and we will read them aloud on the show. Today's milkshake says, I desperately need some advice on how to break co-sleeping. My son is eight and a half months and I'm being induced in less than 30 days. I'm uncomfortable as it is with him being in the bed and that doesn't make it any better. Um, I was never planning to co-sleep. It kind of just happened. And I want to get him sleeping in his own crib um, before the new baby gets here. How did you guys, if you did co-sleep, how did you get um, your baby to stop? (laughs) If you guys did co-sleep, how did you get your baby to stop sleeping in your bed? Woo. So co-sleeping, it's hard. I will have to say, if you're trying to break that, um, that can be a challenge because kids, you know, they get used to it. I mean, the the adult bed is more comfortable than the crib and some of these toddler beds out here. And, you know, I am struggling with that as we speak. Um, my son loves taking naps in his crib. He's still in a crib, by the way. We haven't transitioned <laughs> yet, but we will. We're getting there. But, um, you know, the whole he does you know, enjoy sleeping in the bed um, for bedtime, his, the big people's bed. So, (laughs) so it's a little tough to break that habit. And I would say, you know, try and get your kid really used to um, sleeping in their own room um, during the naps. If they're, you know, taking naps during the day, try and have all those naps in their room. Another thing that you could do is um, ensure whomever else is taking care of the kid or helping you take care of the kid with you, your partner or another caregiver, um, make sure they're on board as well with like a scheduled bedtime routine at night. I know for a lot of kids, they love being on a schedule or a routine. So if it's something like you eat dinner at a certain time, maybe you you know, play around, <laughs> read books or whatever, and then you have bath time and reading, et cetera, and just have that routine. I know for me, my son, he really enjoys having some nice classical music being played <laughs> at bedtime. So classy. <laughs> he is very classy <laughs> for his age, but he enjoys having that music. And after bath time, um, I give him a nice um little rub down with a special lotion that has a really nice scent for babies, um, even though he's three. But, mm-hmm. you know, we still kind of <laughs> baby him in that way. Um, but he enjoys that and he's used to that routine. So that kind of gets him in the mindset of bedtime. When they're older, I know you can't do this now because your baby is eight months old. But when they're older, you kind of can talk to talk them through what that routine involves. I know that toddlers tend to like, you know, knowing what's going to happen when. So when the kid gets older, you can kind of talk them through like after dinner, we're going to read a book and then we're going to take a bath and brush teeth and read some more books and then go to bed. So, you know, having that set routine is key and making sure that all the caregivers are on board with that routine is super helpful. I'm struggling with this. In my household, um, Lily thinks that my bed is her bed and her bed is something that she just looks at in her bedroom. 
So um, I guess I would say try to start working out the routine. Now you have 30 days. It's going to be a lot of crying, a lot of screaming. Um, I know that with weaning from anything is always difficult with a smaller child. Um, I think that eight months is a lot easier to do than two years old. So I would just start at day one, like, hey, you have 30 days or less to before this next baby is going to come. It's going to have to be a transition of you have to sleep in your bed at eight months. The good thing is this baby can't like get out and walk back to your room. That's right. So just put the baby in the bed. You might have to deal with crying, but at some point it'll stop. Um. That's good luck. Right. Yeah, I mean, good luck. I mean, <laughs> even, you know, do some research in your area because mm-hmm. there are also people that will come to your house and do sh- sleep training. So that's an option as well. If you have that in your budget, look into that. There are sleep specialists that will actually get your kid on a routine. Mm-hmm. And like Artika said, the beauty of it is the eight month old can be contained in their crib. They can't jump out. So, um, you know, work around that and see what resources are available to you to kind of help get your kid ready to sleeping in their own room. But good luck. Yeah, that's going to be a tough one. Let us know how it goes. Keep us posted. So thank you guys so much for joining us today. And please follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Mother's Milk The Show or visit our website at mothersmilktheshow.com. We're also streaming wherever you can listen to podcasts. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for your support during our first season of Mother's Milk, the show. We are excited for you to join us for season two, which kicks off in August. Season two will feature more great topics and guest experts. In the meantime, tell a friend about our podcast and check out our past episodes and follow our journey on Instagram and Facebook at Mother's Milk, the show.